try and get some of your stuff in backline cool. companies and yeah. things like that. And it was just like, you know, some of these guys are, are so cool. This one mine, was that the no pickles? Yeah, there's pickle? a no pickles, yeah, yeah. What is it with pickles with you? You can't eat the pickle because it's salt? Or you I don't, like, don't like them. I'm a picky eater. I like pickles, but I'm not supposed to have too, many, too much salt. Because I'm 54, you know. I'm 56 now. You look great. Oh. You work out and stuff? Or what? Nothing. I'm in horrible shape. Really? It's like going, I, I really am. I mean, when I look at just where I'm at in my life, I'm going, oh, you got to go to the gym. You got to go do some things. And, yeah. You know, because everything before was like low to no maintenance. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it starts catching up with you. So I'm definitely at that point. Like I feel it. I'm going, yeah, I have good genes. My dad's, my dad's like in his mid eighties. Awesome. And, and he goes to the gym. He swims five days a week. How, how long has he done that in his life? Been doing it for a while. I think he started like working out consistently. My mom had Huntington's disease. Okay. And, uh, you know, so it's like he started going to the gym in his, like, 50s and stuff and just kept doing it. You know, he's very 50, ritual. 50 what? what you, Probably late the, 50s. So you have a few years. Yeah, I got a couple years left before <laughs> I really got doing something. That's what I'm thinking. Play with, you know? And I try and go and keep a low profile. I don't go out. And, you know, it, it's funny. I'll show up at, a, at like, a, I'll drop off some pads at a studio or yeah. something and... And I'll walk in, they're rehearsing and stuff, so I'll just like sit down. And and I can see people looking at me like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> and it's like, and I'll sit there and I'll wait for the right time that yeah. they're done, not interrupting, and I'll go yeah. up, you know, to the drum or whatever, and I'll introduce myself. And he's like, oh my God. He goes, I was wondering who the fuck that guy was that came in here. <laughs> because I don't put pictures of myself up, so no one really knows what I look like. You never like. really did. No, I'm just... Not a lot. I'm just... I'm so not that guy. Right. Right. Like, especially in the world, it's like everything is me, me, me. And I'm like, no, this is what I do. I make these pads. That's it. That's that's the front. Right. I don't care about, hey, here's me with so-and-so or me with so-and-so. Mm -hmm. I just don't roll that way. So people don't recognize you. Like, wow, yeah. You're, you're Danny Dawes. What? Oh, and then all of a sudden, it's funny. They're like going almost like they're meeting like the second coming of Christ or some shit. Oh, my God, you're the guy? Oh. Um, you, you, um, <laughs> I mean, you innovated so much. I mean, um, you know what I feel like? I feel like Dawes pads are like Polaroids. And I feel like they're like film. And I feel like they're like analog tape. And I feel, and I feel that young people are going to realize that and they're going to gravitate towards it. Because, you know, I do a lot of photography, and I take classes in colleges and stuff, and young people, they love that old classic stuff, you know? They all have phones with beautiful cameras on their phones, and they have access to expensive digital cameras. A lot of them, like, go towards film. Mm -hmm. They'll go buy old Canons, and they'll buy old Nikons, and they'll shoot pictures, and they'll develop it in a darkroom at the school, and they'll... I think you're like the analog digital guy. Well, it's funny that you say that because it's like I, have, I had a business partner and when we kind of got together, he said to me, he goes, he goes, you know, because he had been using my, my drums. I'd known him for a long time. Super talented guy, Vinny Corbo. Yeah. And uh, Vinny's, I met him. I met him. Vinny's a great guy. Mm -hmm. And he said to me, he goes, he goes, you know, he goes, your pads, it's like, 
it's like the Fender guitar of electronic cool. drums. So cool. It's like it's it's something that's made a certain way. It's just like that's what it is. It doesn't need to change. It does what it does very well. It's just it doesn't need to go and be it. It's it's, it's already taken care it's of. Done. You don't have to do that. Yeah, and so many people are looking at all this like oh something different or bigger or better and going mm -hmm. wait a minute mm -hmm. this is a solid staple. Mm -hmm. It's been a staple in the music industry for over 30 years. Yeah. The same thing, and it's almost unheard of when Everybody's you go... Everybody's using your patch. Who's using your patch today, 2018? I got Mark Shulman with Pink. Mm -hmm. Brian Fraser-Moore yeah. with Justin Timberlake. Um, and just Devin Parker, who was I just talking to, who's playing with Guy and Teddy Riley. Right. You know, and uh, there's a lot of guys that are doing, uh, I just sold some stuff to um, uh, Devin Webster and Aaron, Dra Aaron Draper, I think is his name, and they're, they were doing Eminem. A lot of them, I don't even know the artist, I'm so old. Sure. Right. So I it's know. like, uh, right. like uh, uh, Claire... Clarence Lewis, super nice guy, he hmm. plays with, why, why he plays with a black bear. Okay. And, and it's funny, because that was the, when I went to the studio and I was sitting there, that was the situation. And oh. so it, 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 it's just really funny, because it's like, you go, wow, you, you're kind of in here. And I'm like, okay, what's, let me assess this situation. <laughs> okay, I, don't, I know nothing about any of this. And then it's like, I'll leave and I'll go and I'll go on the internet and be like, Black Bear. And I look him up, I'm like, holy shit, this guy's huge. I didn't know anything. I'm an sure. idiot. It's like going, oh my God, and I'm looking back at his career and what's gone on and all his appearances on MTV and different junk, and I'm like, I'm so out of touch. But you're supposed to be. I mean, you're not supposed to be our age and know what... Like, my daughter, Kate, is 14, you know, and I don't know what she listens to. I don't know. I have no clue. And... and and the fact that it was like, you know, if I'd be like, oh, yeah, well, these are artists, and I'd be talking... And I'd be talking about artists that's yeah. like, no one even knows who they are anymore. Right. They were somebody back in the day. Right. But if you're but young, you're drummers, like, who the hell is that? Like, like what, what legendary drummers played your pads? Um, the drummers, modern drummer people would know these guys. What's, um... Well, obviously, um, Neil Peart. Yeah. Ricky Lawson, yep. rest in peace, Ricky, was a super great guy. You know, I, back in the day, I think, you know, around the, in the 80s and stuff, it seemed like there was a lot of guys that would, there was a drummer percussionist tours, yes. that there was a drummer percussionist, like Louis Conti, Conti. would have pads, yep. Omar Hakim would have pads, okay. it's like Jonathan Moffat would have pads, mm -hmm. you know, it's like there were so many guys back in the day, you know, what's um, a guy from Pink Floyd? Oh, oh, uh, Nick Mason. Nick Mason. Nick Mason had pads on a tour along with Gary Wallace, who had they had like Pink Floyd bought like thirty pads from me back in like '94. That's awesome. Twice. I love that band. Oh God, what's a trip that I I look back in so many years and I go, well, I remember having my milk crates full of my records when I was a kid, me too. <laughs> and and going. I sold drums to almost everybody in my record say, collection. I was going to try to challenge you to who didn't use your pads. You know, nobody. They all were. Everybody used your. I I saw your pads first time I was taking 
lessons with Chad Wackerman in. Um, yeah, in Chad was like right in the beginning. He had beginning. prototypes. Right, because I'd never seen anything like it. And I remember it was in his apartment. Uh, I think he lived off Coldwater at the time. And, mm -hmm. and um, when I saw the pads, I was just like, what? They're so cool looking. What is this? They look like, is it a sculpture? Is it a drum thing? <laughs> you know? It was like, yeah. And um, that's, that's when I first saw your stuff. The only thing I knew before that was Sin Air and Syndrome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I came in like right after like the SDS-5. The 5, okay. Mm -hmm. I was developing stuff all around that time with the Sin Air and the Syndrome in my parents' garage. Mm -hmm. I was making different prototypes, and that was before there were electric kits. But I kind of always knew that this is going to be big. Mm -hmm. This is going to be really big the fact that you're going to be able to put any sound you want on this device. Right. And I spent so much time just working out the cosmetics and the mechanical things of it to go and be like, I want this thing to be bulletproof. I want it to be cosmetically attractive. Yes. I, it's like I want, I want it to go and stand the test of time. I want it to be able to go and have the mounting options to it should be more flexible than what they're offering yeah. on other stuff. I mean, these were all issues, you know, being a drummer myself that I thought mattered that no one was addressing. Yes. You know, because when you think back and go and that everyone was using Simmons pads and it's like those Simmons pads sucked and everyone was hurting their wrists playing them. Yeah. And they were, it was just such a stupid design. Definitely different, obviously, from a design sense. Aesthetically, you had, you know, what was it, an octagon? or There were, there were hexagons. Hexagons. And then you obviously had the circle. But there's something about yours that always looked cool, you know, like it always looked organic somehow. Yeah, because it's, it's, you got natural flow of lines because circles, and those are just standard things that people are used to. Mm -hmm. So that whole idea of it looking like a spaceship, you know, it's like going, it's a dome. Mm -hmm. And it's like going, everything kind of just has lines that are kind of sexy. They always, it was, yeah, it was really cool. And to go and, and look and I go, wow, at a time where everybody was trying to go and reinvent the wheel of we'll do the coolest thing and stuff. Yeah. And, and I basically kicked all of their asses because I was the only one who had, I was the first right. one to make the round pad. Right. And, and now I'd like to talk about that because um, I feel like yours, like if I look at a Simmons pad, and I, I, I like the fives and I liked... I mean, maybe the five was one of my favorite Simmons, but and I, I didn't. It didn't bother me like in 1980. Mm -hmm. But now I, I look at it and I'm like, wow, that's so 1980. But yours doesn't have that. Yeah. Like you said, it's not dated. A, no, you got like a timeless design on yours somehow. Yeah. I, well, it's 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 really interesting when I look and I, it's like I put so much focus on this stuff. You know, I look and I I, I see these companies. They come out with stuff and I go, who designed this stuff? Right. You actually paid someone to come up with this idea to sell? It's like who? And they did. And they did. And, going, and who's the guy who did it? The bean counter who wanted to make sure it only cost 10 cents? Probably the bean counter's son. Yeah, the bean counter's son, exactly. He got on the payroll. That's usually how it works. That's what I was saying in another interview I had with somebody. I was like, I go, I don't understand how these companies make the choices of, here's the guy we're going to listen to. Right. Really? So that's that's right. your flagship. Right. Wow, and you've got a lot of money, and that's the best you can do? But, 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 but money does not equate wisdom or foresight or, you know, 
you're not necessarily somebody who's going to be a pioneer or an inventor just because you have a lot it's of It's not money. allowed nowadays. Corporatization of everything has pushed everyone's opinion, their view. The assets that we have as a human being are all being pushed down. You're not allowed to say anything. You can't go and question something. It's just so that. insane. The assets we have as a human being are being pushed down. Yeah. I love that. Why do they want that? Well, because it's, it's control. It's all about control. They don't want, they want us to be a bunch of dumbed down sheep. It's like going, hey, here's the coolest, hippest thing. We got a whizzy little feature over here. Look at it. Right. And then there's this old crap in the back that you're not going to like when you see it. Right. But we're going to go and put this, and we'll put this famous guy doing something with it. And, and you're going to go, and you'll plunk down your $1,500, and then you'll be like, wow, oh, this is so cool. And you play it. And then after a while, like, it doesn't do this? It doesn't do that? Right. Really, that's the most basic thing. How long did Roland make electronic drums that transmitted on one channel? I don't know. How long did they? 20-something years. Really? Wow. Going, and when you think back... What channel was it, 10? Yep. Yeah. That's it. And you don't have a choice. You can't say, oh, I want to send out on a few different... I can't say, this pad's going to go out on one, and that one's going out on two. Right. You weren't allowed to do that. And coming from the, the cat school of controlling yes. everything MIDI, yes. then you got the Roland model of, <coughs> you know, you get these companies who all like, well, we're going to be the pioneer of the electric drum set. Okay. Right. And going, okay, well, whatever. So you guys are dictating the way the electronic drum set goes. Well, wouldn't you think that these basic features that somebody before you implemented trigger training? Yes. It's like channels, that channelization. You could have multiple notes being played. You're controlling MIDI. That's like the mapper. And, yeah, and in, they in basically the go, no, let's dumb it down. So it's so dumb, they're going to have to go buy the next box that we put another added feature in and a new sound. And this is where the corporations come in and everyone, and then people go and flock to them like, oh, I got the new Roland thing. Roland is the best. Or this one's the best. Going, That's great. You like it. Right. <laughs> but your knowledge level is pretty limited yes. to for you to be the one who decides. It's great if you want it and it works yeah. for you. Yeah. More power to yes. you. I don't care Tool's about a that. Tool. Yeah. But you are no expert. Right. And you're so you. But they think they're an expert because now they got an electric drum set. Now I know everything about electric <laughs> drums because I've got an electric they're, set. They're pioneers in the electric and, drum. I, I can't. Arena. I refuse to go and participate in any of these forums and things like that because there's always some guy in his basement who knows more than everyone else and his voice has got to be the loudest in the group let me tell you how it is and go well right what is your experience that you bring to the table that your opinion should matter yeah but wow everybody's like my value of self-importance yeah hey it's me and because i said it you should listen going how about somebody having some validity to be a voice for others that knows something? Right. No, I'm going to go and just pop out of my own basement. I'm going to start saying these things about stuff. And now, because I got a bunch of followers, I'm the shit. That's interesting. It's like, why don't, you, why don't people listen to people who know something as opposed to people who are learning it as they're going? Yes. I think that... I did a podcast with an old acquaintance, a guy named Michael Weber. He's a really smart dude. We were talking about, he's a magician. I used to 
go to this magic shop in Los Alamitos and uh, I get my mom to buy me a magic book. Mm -hmm. So whatever was in that book, I had to learn how to do. Let's say there's 15 tricks in the book, and they're big, thick books. And so now I know 15 magic tricks. Mm -hmm. Okay, and that's, and that's how you learn magic tricks. Unless you knew another magician, mm -hmm. tell you secrets. That's how you got them. And so you know, I couldn't get a lot. I was like 13 years old. You know, didn't have a lot of money. And so then, now we have the internet. And I asked Michael. I said, "What, what, uh, what do you think of that?" You know, and he said that, well, now you can get the secret to any trick just going. Google, mm -hmm. whatever, look it up. But he said the interesting thing is, is that it, even though this resource exists, the internet is not creating more great magicians. And, and as a matter of fact, it's creating less. Well, interesting. So what you're saying is the same thing, is that there's these experts out there who get on their computers and they're brave and they talk about everything they know about electronic drums, but they have no experience. Mm-hmm. Electronic no, I just time I, behind. I just think it's just really sad that you know when somebody has earned a spot, they've paid their dues in knowing something. You know what? That should be. It's almost like having respect for the elders, your yeah. elders. Going, you know what? They're older than you. They've seen more than you. They, right. you know, you might think you know it all when right. you're thirty because I did too. Sure. But guess what? You're in for a rude awakening because right around the corner you're going to get hit that thing where it goes, I don't know shit. <laughs> right. And now it's, you go, you know even more every year, but you still realize you don't know There's shit. There's a lot. There's a lot to it, yeah. And these guys who are in their 30s and they're still thinking they know everything. Right. And they want to go and argue with everybody and make their point because it's like, hey, I got a lot of piss and vinegar in me. I got to go and prove I'm the guy. Right. Yeah, well, good. Yeah, you're the guy. Oh, uh, you know what? I'll give it to you. You're the winner. Let me follow you. But do, they, do they produce anything, these people? They just produce content. Like at the NAM show, it was funny. I had a friend of mine, and he was like, "Hey, you know, like he was going. These guys, they have these uh, drum podcasts and and Instagram pages. Yes, these guys got the biggest fucking ego. Like they're a rock star, and saying. and all they're doing is reposting someone else's post. Yes. Oh well, I've got this many thousand followers on Instagram, and going." But you don't do shit. Right. And you're walking around like you're so self-entitled and going, everybody wants a piece of what I have because I could open the door to them to all of these people. I'm like, fuck you. Who <laughs> gives a shit? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, I don't know, it just kind of blows my mind that this is just, let's be real. Yeah. It's like, come on. You, we're, I'm no better than you and you're no better than me. Yes. But when you get somebody going, you haven't even seen half or a quarter of the shit that I've seen, but you're going to go and act like you're better than me. I know. I was talking to uh, my friend the other day, and we were talking about A&R guys. Yes. And the funniest thing, because we both agreed, and we were like going, you know, most A&R guys are douchebags. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I go, I know one A&R guy that's not a douchebag, and okay. that's Chris Brady. Oh, yeah. He is just the most real guy. Mm -hmm. Everybody else, they get in that A&R position. Now they get to hang out with all the big-name drummers, and it's like everyone's talking to them, and they're going out and drinking with them or yeah. going on a tour and doing sure. different stuff. Yeah. And they're thinking, hey, I'm part of the elite group. 
It's only because that company gave you that opportunity. Once you're out of that position, you're nobody. It's like right. going, wow. wake right. up, man. It's like going, right. you are no better than anybody else. So when you're sitting there, because you're A&R and you, you know this drummer and that drummer, yeah. and they're calling you because they want free shit, <laughs> and they know you're the door into the guy who could get the free shit. Oh, I'll right. go to bat for you. Come on, I worked for a guitar center. It's like, yeah. going, okay, let's, let's turn over the sale to this guy. <laughs> and now you do. It's, it's like this is such trivial shit that's so <laughs> stupid and going, this is the game? This is the game you're playing? Do you realize how stupid you look? Right. And guess what? When you're not working for the company anymore? It's over. How many of these guys are contacting you want to hang out with you then? That's a good point. <laughs> but you and I are friends, you know, I mean, because we did business together with musical gear. And, but um, right, you're right. You're right. I mean, that's... that's uh, and they are that way. I see that in some of the Instagram posts and et cetera. You know, there are these big concerts. They're backstage or this or that. It's not because they studied the drums. It's not because they... They just got... Hey, you got the opportunity. And you know what? Tons of people would love to have that spot. And they'll even do it for less money than you. They will. You're replaceable. We could get anybody who is the in-between, who talks to the artists and decides the way we want to deal with them. Right. And going, yeah, that's a great thing. But you are so disposable. Yes. Going, I don't care how many guys that you know through right. your career of working with this drummer and that drummer, at a certain point, you're old news. Yes. And well, no one gives a shit. shit you, you, that's your whole purpose. Yep. Support. I just don't understand why people just can't be real. Everybody's got to be phony and appear to be more than they are. Just insecurity, isn't it? it? It's always insecurity. Going the the people who have the biggest egos and attitudes are usually the most insecure. That got to overcompensate for that insecurity. So when you see somebody out there, it's just like going, why would they be like this? Going, you know what? If you were secure in who you were, it doesn't matter what people think. There's a lot of people. They don't, you know. Hey, you don't like what I say or or the way that I do my thing. It's all cool. I don't care because. It's no skin off my back if you don't like me. Right. I don't need to go and make a shitload of friends. No. no. It doesn't matter. Going, I get people knocking on my door all the time right. because of what I've done and who I am because I'm true to myself. Yeah. Yours it's, were authentic. And that's what's wrong with the world now. Everyone's afraid or they're trying to be something and they don't know how to be it. And going, just be you. A lot of times I'll, I'll go and I'll, I'll meet somebody and one of the first things I'll say is some self-deprecating comment, sure. which is being like, oh, I'm a fucking moron. Right, just to break the ice. And it's the, like, and then yeah. they're like, hey, this guy's cool. He's yeah. fucking saying he's a moron he's right a from being. the go. Yeah. He's a real guy. And yeah. going, well, that's it. I just want to be on the same level with you because I don't know where you're even at. I want you to feel comfortable. I don't want you to be acting like, oh, wow, I got to act this certain way. I'm just talking to you as a human being. Yes. It's great to meet you. I feel like one of the ble the biggest blessing that I've gotten out of doing all this stuff is I've got to meet a lot of people. Yeah. And to meet so many people and, and actually get to make a connection with them. Yes personally that this is more than just business this isn't about like selling you a pad or doing a thing there going I want to make a connection with somebody as a person right because you never know going what they can learn from you and what you can learn from them and if more people were to go and look at stuff that way going 
instead of being like, hey, I gotta get this from you and I gotta go put my guard up and I gotta take advantage because me, 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 me. Everybody's all this me, me, me thing and going. Yeah, there's a lot of that. I don't get it. It's like the value, your self-importance value. It's like, I don't know, I kind of had a, like an epiphany a few years ago Mm -hmm. that, I don't know, somebody did something and it pissed me off or something. and And I said to myself, I go, Dan, no one gives a shit what you think. Why are you thinking that it's important that someone listens to you? Hmm. Who cares? Hmm. And it was something that was very freeing to be like going, wait a minute, I, it's just my opinion. Okay. So it's like, because this is my opinion, you don't have to agree with it. Absolutely, and you won't be mad. And I'm not mad, I don't mm-hmm. care. Right. You could have your opinion, but doesn't mean because your opinion is different from mine that I'm gonna switch over to yours. No. No. It's just like, let's agree to disagree. Sure. We could both have different views, and that's fine. And right. you move past that, you go, well, that's what adults do. Right. Does this really matter that you're a different religion than me, or a different color than me, or have a different perspective than me? No, I want to find that common ground mm-hmm. that we can meet at. Mm-hmm. Well, we're all just people. And, and when you go and you act, I don't know, like I think it's the neatest thing when you meet somebody and they expose their insecurities, their weaknesses, sure. the stupid shit. It's, I think that is just like, oh, you're not afraid. Yeah. You're willing to be you. It's you're a powerful not, thing, right? You're not, yeah, and you're not, will, you're not worried about being judged because I always look and go, if you want to judge me, thank you for identifying yourself so I don't deal with you. <laughs> So go and show your true <laughs> colors to me because that's exactly what I need to see. And even if I don't like the way it went down, yeah. I appreciated that it wasn't something that was just drawn out over time. Right. You told me what you're about, what your game is. I just know not to fuck with you. <laughs> you know something's interesting about that is before we turn the, the, the recorder on, we are talking about Roy Burns' funeral. And, uh, you know, I, Roy was my mentor, you know, the, you, you, we talked on the phone today and you said, clean up your room. <laughs> You're referring to the first lesson at my house. And it's true that, that, that he was that way, you know. And um, I have a few people in my life that are that way. I th- I'd say stainless is another one. Where if I'm a little fat, they're like, you know, you, you look a little fat. You need to, you know, they'll just say it, you know. Yep. And everybody else is just like, you look great, Ken, you know. Or, I know. Yeah. And, um, but, I, but I actually appreciate people like that now. When I was younger, I'd, I'd avoid them. But I actually appreciate criticism you know if I take a class on photography or art uh, you'll make a thing and you put it up on a wall and then everybody puts their thing on the wall and they put a line down the middle and on the left say the pros on the right say the cons and so everybody walks to the art they look at it on the pencil they'll say something either good or bad about it on mine it always would say cons cons mm-hmm. so I feel like I can only grow through criticism exactly well, it's like you do want to, you want to, I don't know, like I, I want to go and get stronger. I want to go and, and be, have a broader view of things, not have a lesser, you know, view. It's like, and a be, comfortable view. it's like, and, and being, you know, it's, it's weird because as you get older too, you realize going, well, the world is changing yep. and it's like going where we were all from and how things were, they're not that way anymore. No, and you have to go and you almost got to be like, well, that's how it was. I remember it but I have to embrace these things that are going on now because this is what's happening in the world now. And these are the kids that are coming up and where they came from. And, and as being somebody who's older, you're going, I want to be an example yeah. to you. Yeah. I want it to be like going, hey, wait a minute, that guy showed me some traits that I'd like to have in me. Yeah. 
So it's like any of that that you figure going, hey, you know, this rubs off. Yeah. That if you take the time with someone else, there's going to be something that they learn. They're going, hey, those are some kind of cool traits that I think I want to implement in my life. Yeah. To be a little more like that. I agree. You know, yeah. going, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna try not to go and have my temper go out. I'm not going to try and control stuff with my feelings. Right. The amount of people that, this whole thing about everybody and their feelings. You hurt my feelings. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I don't know. I grew up, sticks and stones can break my bones, but names will never hurt me. There's some truth to that. But nowadays, going, you say a word to somebody... I remember, I remember being a kid in school, and, and you'd be on the playground, yeah. and there was always that kid going, oh yeah, I fucked your mother last night. Right. And it was like... I was, was a, a, wasn't also sort of a... Was that a negative thing? or a, a, It was a, a way to piss you off. Okay. It yeah. was a way to piss you off, okay. and I was like, really? Oh, so you got sloppy seconds. And they'd be like, oh, that's so disgusting. So you top them off. Right? <laughs> exactly. Going, <laughs> these words you're saying don't mean anything. You're right. thinking that you're going to go and, you know, breach my armor or something. Right. <laughs> breach my armor. I love that. <laughs> it's like, that's just crazy. That. It's yeah. like, you bring it on. What do you want to call me? What do you want to say? Go ahead, because I don't give a shit. <laughs> it's like, call me whatever you want. I love that. But so many people are caught up. Oh, yeah, that made me feel this certain way. And you said that. It's like, grow up. Grow a set of fucking balls. Yeah. Be a fucking man. Yeah. It's like going, yes, sometimes your feelings do get hurt. Yes. Swallow it. Yes. Like Hank Hill. Hank Hill swallows it. Yeah, you ever there's, seen Hank Hill? there's too many things in life that are there to go and knock you down if you choose to let it have that power over yes, you. Yes, it is your choice. It's absolutely your choice. And it's like, I'll say, like somebody will go, oh, and I don't know, I, maybe it's like my dad used to say to me when I was a kid, he's like, you're sadistic. <laughs> Why would he say that? I, this is my dad telling me mm -hmm. this too. And, and I never really understood why he said it until I got a little he's older. He's more gentle. Maybe he was a, he sounds like my dad, where my dad, he was kind of a tough guy when he was young, but then he kind of went through some shit, and then he became kind of gentle. And so he, it wouldn't take much to get his... I was, I was, was a douchebag. I was a douchebag <coughs> yeah. of a kid. Anything for my own self-entertainment. I had, it's like I was bored with life and I had to make my own entertainment. Sure. And usually it was at other people's expense. Sure. And then, I, I guess what, when... What kid wasn't that? But it's like, it took me a while. By the time maybe I was in my late 20s, I, I was like, I had this epiphany of going, Dan, you're mean. <laughs> you, it's like, you're, you're entertaining yourself at other people's expense. Right. This is not cool. Sure. And I never really realized I was doing that sure. until that point. I just thought it was funny. I'm making a funny joke, but it's it's a funny yeah, joke. Like Self-realization. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. this isn't cool, though. It's like going, oh yeah, you're gonna go and point out this thing about them because everyone's gonna laugh. You'll be the funny guy because you said it, and everyone's laughing at the other person that you made the joke right. about. It was like, yeah, that's kind of lame to do that. It's I mean, like, isn't that what comedians do? Of course. But it's like, I don't know, like, I, because I, I remember I got this flashback of all these mean things that I did to people. <laughs> and I felt like I had to call them up and apologize did and you stuff. Do that? I did. Wow. I called up some people and apologized wow. to them. I'm going, you know, I just didn't know better. Sure, well, that was a wonderful you know, that's, thing. Wow. You know, I was like, I was, a, I was a kid and I was like, I know I did these things. And then when I think about it as an adult, I'm going, that was so mean to do that. You made, you made lots of people cry. Yeah, I know what you mean. You know, I had the, I had 
I was pretty bossy when I was in high school, and, and there's some people that kind of looked up to me, and I was a little exclusionary with them, mm -hmm. sort of an exclusionist, you know. And um, it's because I thought, because I was insecure, and I thought I was better than them. And yeah, you know, I met them in later in life, and they were very defensive. They were very, um, like I'd hurt them. And mm -hmm. I felt bad about that. I felt oh, yeah. bad about that. Um, oh, yeah, that's what I did. Because I had, had people, you know, it's funny how it's like after years go by and then people come out of the woodwork. Yeah, right. And be like, there's that the name. The internet's a big part of that. And, and the fact yeah. you're going, here's this name that pops up and it sends you a message. You're going, I was a douchebag yeah, to you. Yeah, you kind of know, huh? And then it's yeah. just like going, when that comes in and, and they're saying something nice to you. Right. And it's just like... I, you know what, I gotta say, I'm really sorry that I was such an asshole yeah. to you, right. you know, back then. It's, it's like gracious. going, there's just, you know, there yeah. really is no excuse. I was just a dick. Right. And it's right. like, that was really wrong that it's like, oh, and I, you know, I put you in that predicament right. to feel that way. No one should have to go and be in that. Oh, you're right. I mean, and I'm not trying to make you feel good, but it's probably a common thing for young people to have had regret well, over ways that we treated people and... Well, but I think that it's like we're in a different point in time when you just think about, you know, being like a young boy and what it was to be a boy. And like growing up with me and my friends, I just always remember going, we were evil to each other. Yeah. We were downright evil. But I evil. felt like that was affectionate. That, yeah, it was. It was yeah. a, you know what? I love you. I'm shooting you with this BB yes. gun. Or the mother. Thing, <laughs> or the, yeah, exactly. Like, That's the way you play. He cried. You laughed about. It. It doesn't I, mean you hated the guy. I we. I remember. I, I tell people this story and they laugh hysterically. I go, you know what? I drove when I got when I was about 16. I drove for about three years with my hand on my balls. Why? Because when I'd be driving with my friends, they would always give you a bee sting and hit you in the balls while you were driving. So I got so paranoid that someone was going to always hit me in the balls, I always had my hand over my balls. That's awesome. <laughs> and one day, so I was like, why do you always got your hand on your balls? I'm like, oh, God, I'm just like, <laughs> just like I'm so afraid someone's going to hit me in the balls while I'm driving. And it I was like, that. everybody, it's like, we were just so mean to each other. It's yeah. like, and then topping each other going, and I was horrible. I was the worst going, if you did something to me, yeah. I was the guy who was going to go and find the bottom of the barrel, the worst sludge. I'm going to wait till the timing <laughs> is right. And then, and, and I'm going to wait, I'm going to go into, and then I'm going to nail you with it and go, you're going to think twice before you do that to me. Revenge, huh? I had a, a roommate of mine one time, and we used to always do this. And one time he goes, uh, I go, man, when, you know, why don't you wash your dishes? You're always leaving your dishes in the sink. And he says he, it to you. He says it to me, uh, and I go, he goes, he goes, he goes, I'm just being smart because I know if I leave them there, you'll do them. <laughs> what a and bastard. I, and I was like, oh, yeah? So the next day he goes to work, and... Uh, I take all the dishes out of the sink and I just put them in his bed. <laughs> so it's like going, there's under his sheets and there's like spaghetti plates and all kinds of crap that's all under the open. Oh off. my God, he was so mad. <laughs> and then another time I forgot what he did to me, but I go, you know, I'm going to get you for that. Right. And then he's like, what? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I go, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> so I waited about two weeks. And then one morning he's in the shower, uh -huh. and of course you you know you could get your way into the door of the shower. Yeah, sure. So it's like I go in, I go and I get in the door. So now he's all paranoid. He's in the shower taking a shower. I pull the shower curtain back and I go, not today. 
I went for three months where I would like wait a week or two, then I'd Not go today. back. Not today. And I had him every day he that. went in to take a shower. He was just on the edge. And then after about three months, I was like, okay, today's going to be the day. <laughs> and I tell my roommate, and I was like, okay, we're going to do it. So we took this big bucket and we took potting soil and syrup, anything we could in the kitchen. And it was just like, oh, today's the day. And we threw the whole thing on him. And there he is all full of mud and gook and everything. That's after awesome. three months of torment. I love how these, so you basically held the knife to him every day for a day after <laughs> <laughs> not today <laughs>